0: Amen. Have a seat. Uh, As you're sitting in your envelope this morning, you got a little thing that says uh, text to join on here. This is the fastest way for us to keep you up to date with everything that's going on at Mountain View Sunnyside. Uh, If you want a once a week text from us just saying, hey, what's going on at Sunnyside, uh, text join to the number on there and you'll get input into that. So in my family, the custom is when you turn four, uh, you get a bike. And when the kids are little, they have like little bikes and stuff. But as they grow up, their bikes grow up with them. And for me, as the parent that pushes, uh, this never has gone well. Uh, we've got a picture that's going to pop up in a little bit. We've got Eden, her bike, when she was four. I put it together the night before the party. We showed it to her at the party. She had no desire to get on it whatsoever. And so we waited for a couple days, and then I said, okay, it's like two days after your birthday. Now it is time to get on that bike. So we took it outside, we put her on it, and this is about how it went. Yeah, yeah. So I had my plan of exactly what it was going to look like. She loved to ride her bike, and I thought, hey, here's an idea for you to go faster and farther and more pinkish than you did before, because the tiny bike she had before was a boy bike, and who would not love that? Apparently, that kid would not love that. Uh, But my plan was, come on, like, how is this not working? How is this not perfect? And I think for all of us in our lives, for every opportunity, for every moment where we have a decision to make, we need somebody who's going to be pushing us forward. Because our natural inclination, the way that our hearts and lives are automatically bent, is to be the person on the bike screaming, saying, no, 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 I don't want to change. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to spend the next 20 or so minutes completely fighting against our own inborn desire to keep everything the same and look at how to start 2018 fresh. If you follow us on social media, there was a bunch of pictures of Will Smith wearing clothes uh, from about 20, 30 years ago so that we can all think about how to start fresh in 2018. And so what we're going to look at today is a story from the Old Testament that's kind of bizarre, that's kind of different, that gives us a good springboard and a good launching point into what it's going to look like for us to start fresh in 2018. So if you've got your Bible or your app, go to Joshua chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 2. So what's happening up to this point is God has his chosen nation, Israel. These are the people that God started from the very beginning. He took an old man named Abraham and his advanced in years. He doesn't say that she was old right away. His advanced in years wife, uh, Sarah. And from them, he birthed a nation even when they were past the age of when normal humans have kids. And, And this nation grew from two people to hundreds and millions. And they ended up being slaves in the country of Egypt. So after 400 years of slavery, God literally walked them out of their slavery. They didn't win a war to stop being slaves. They didn't pass a law. God says, hey, let's go. And they walked out. They followed God out in the middle of the night from their slavery into their freedom. And where we're going to find them today is at 40 years of this limbo, at the end of 40 years of this limbo period between being slaves and having their own place. When they were slaves, there was a bunch of laws and stuff that God had for them to follow, and they followed them. But then when they went into the wilderness, a lot of those, and one in particular that we're going to talk about, goes bye-bye. And so God is going to be calling them back to a fresh start with him in a way that's Honestly, awkwardly unforgettable. So we're going to get to that right now. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord, toward, the Lord told Joshua, "...make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made a knife and circumcised the entire male population of Israel." All right, don't Google that. If you don't know what circumcision is, do not Google it. You will not like what comes up. But what it is, is it's a physical way that God told Abraham, this is how I want all of your men to mark yourselves. Genesis chapter 17, verse 13. He says, your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. What this means is that with their bodies, they're going to show what goes on in their heart, that they are owned by God, they are protected by God, and they are absolutely loved by God. And what had happened is in this 40 years of going between Egypt and the promised land is they didn't do this anymore. And so God says, if you're going to start with me, if you're going to start fresh with me, we're going to start with something that's painful, that's deep, but means a ton because your hearts are going to be given over to me. Verse 4, it continues, So Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the Exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died. For they had disobeyed the Lord and the Lord vowed he would never let them enter the land he sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all the males had been circumcised, they rested in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery. So that place was called Gilgal to this day. While the Lord was camped at while the Israelites were camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the fourteenth day of the first month. What's the significance of that? The significance is that there was radical obedience, and through that radical obedience that caused pain, that gave them a reason to rest and put themselves back together. God brought about a new beginning. This is something that we can just read over and just think it's another one of those festivals where you have to do seven ram's horn and and 12 pounds of olive oil and whatever. And what we're missing in this is that Israel takes a radical step of obedience and God follows it with an exciting, challenging, life-giving, new beginning for them. They went from slaves to having no place to stay for themselves. And then the very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread, roasted grain. and, And it says that in verse 12, It says, no manna appeared on the day that they first ate crops from the land, and it was never seen again. From that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. What that means is that when they were homeless, when they were wandering around, they would go out in the morning, and there'd be this stuff that's called manna that would just be on the ground, and they'd gather it up, and they'd eat it. It'd be their food for the day. Every morning, it would be there. It would never last for more than one day, except for on on Fridays going into Saturday, their Sabbath, where they did no work. But every day, God would provide for them. So they do this big mass circumcision thing where every man is marked. They wake up the next morning, and it's gone. What's there instead is trees. It's God saying, you have done the hard physical work of beginning new, and now you're walking into an exciting new life with me. You've started fresh, and instead of gathering dust off the ground to eat, you're going to have trees with crops on them that you're going to eat. It's the same thing that God's telling us, I want you to start fresh with me this year. And as you do, as you make heart changes, not just a physical change, but as you make heart changes, I'm going to meet you there with new life and different life than you ever expected. He's saying your slavery is over and the absence of manna, the, the, the eating of crops off of trees is a symbol of the fact that I'm there, that I'm alive, that this is going to be a new beginning. And that's the attitude that I want us to have moving into 2018. Because as it's another year, it's another opportunity to take one step fresh into the lives that God has for us. Into being the men and women that God created us to be. Into seizing the life that he created us for. And for us, starting fresh with Jesus means that we cannot stay where we are. The thing about Jesus is no one else in our lives is going to cause us to consistently re-examine where we are, what's working, what's not working, and to, to always have our ears open to what he's calling us to. That's the thing about God is he sees everything that goes on in our lives. And since he's not a butcher who's going to kill us for doing wrong, he's a shepherd who's going to say, hey, that place for you isn't a good place for you. I want to lead you to a new place in your life, a new way of looking at your your own life, a new way of treating people around you, a new way of relating to me. I want to lead you to this because it's going to be better for you. And as we let God have that say in our lives, as we open our hands, we open our ears, we open our hearts to him and say, okay, God, I want to start fresh from you. Whatever needs to get cut away, I want you to cut it away so that I can start fresh with you. With God, it prohibits us from staying where we are because he knows more than us. And in love, like a perfect father, he's going to say, hey, I've got something new for you. It's going to go better for us than it did for my daughter on the bike. God's saying, I've got a new challenge for you. I've got something new. And for us, new success always means more risk and more sacrifice. Complacency, stubbornness, and familiarity, they're the death for growth for all of us. For each one of us to sit here arms folded saying, I'm just gonna make it through the end. Don't say anything to anybody. No eye contact to the person beside me, whatever. We're just gonna get through today, and I don't want anybody's input. That's a recipe for a junkie life. But instead, what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at five areas of our lives and we're gonna ask God, God, what do you wanna tell me this year? Where do you wanna pull me in this next year? And we're gonna set goals. You don't have to turn these in. We're not gonna grade each other in December, but this is for us to say, this is what I'm gonna shoot for. This is what I'm gonna aim for this year. And anytime you make goals, like it's really easy to make really simple goals that all of us will nail. We could just completely wimp out, bunt on these, and have a 100% goal success rate this year. But what I want us to do is I want us to have sky-high faith to look at this year, look at these five areas that are already on your paper that we're going to talk about, and say, God, what's something crazy you want to lead me into this year? Where does my faith need to grow? What's the highest, most lofty thing that I can think of that you want to lead me to this year? And let's see this happen. I was with my son this week, uh, and there was a fire truck, which always means like that's five minutes of instant entertainment. And so we walk up, and he's looking at stuff and pointing at stuff, and, and uh, he asks the or he tells the fireman, "My name is Micah, M-I-C-A-H. That's that's his thing. My name is Micah." And the guy says, "Cool, that's awesome. Good to meet you, Micah." And then Micah says, "What's your sister's name?" Because that's his, he thinks that he's getting, he can get the fireman's sister, so he wants to know her name. Like That's the same attitude that I want us to have. Not just to bunt, but to say, I'm four years old, I already want to know her name. So her name is Heather, and Micah is very excited about that, and maybe someday they will meet. But that's what I want us to have. As we look at our lives, as we look at... Everything that God has brought us through in the last year, which could mean that we're going to scale way back on what we're even going to try on because we don't want another disappointment. I want us to have that type of faith. Not to say, I'm done taking input, I'm doing things my way, but to say, God, I want you to speak to me. So we're going to pray right now. This is not the end of the sermon, so don't freak out yet. So Jesus, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you're in charge of every area of our life. And like a good father and a good shepherd, God, we want to hear what you have for us today. So we surrender uh, everything to you because you're good. You've got a good message for us. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so the first area uh, where I want to challenge us to dream big and ask big and say, God, what do you want to do in my life is our personal relationship with Jesus. As your pastor, I can, can I have my way in this one big time. So what I want for us as a church is to be reading our Bible every day. That's my goal each year is to read my Bible and do my shape journal 365 times and I'm yet to make it. I missed a day I didn't expect to miss this year. Uh, but but that's that's our goal for us. If you've never done your shape journal, if you've never read your Bible, 365 days in 2018 might be 365 more days than it was in 2017 for you. But this is how we grow in our our relationship with Jesus. As we read the book that he wrote, we learn about Jesus. We're challenged every single day to be men and women who love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the standard that we're living up to. That means that if we honestly take that on, we cannot stay the people that we are. Because we don't love God with all our heart, our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is okay now. Okay, it's not okay to build a tent and build our whole life on the fact that I don't do that. That's not okay. What we're doing is we're forgetting what's behind, we're pressing on towards what's ahead and saying, God, I'm going to love you with everything. So what does that look like? That looks like that we're reading our Bibles and journaling about it every day. That's our goal, every day. And if you don't make it every day, you don't have to tell anybody. If you do make it every day, it's kind of awkward if you do. Okay? Just don't brag about that. That's weird. It makes everybody else feel bad. But for us, we want to be spoken to by God and we want to be pushed by God every day. We also want to grow in prayer. This is something that we do individually. It's also something that we do in a group. We've got a Sunday morning prayer meeting that meets at 8.45 in the cafeteria. I've got a guy's Bible reading and prayer group that meets Friday mornings at 6 a.m. at the Starbucks at Clovis in Kings Canyon. Anna leads a group for stay-at-home moms Wednesdays, 9 a.m. at main campus, and there is childcare if you've got kids with you, and it's impossible to pray when little kids are going through all of your stuff. This is also a year for us to grow as a church in our personal lives with God, which means a life group. We're starting one big, wide, campus-wide for us and main campus on January 16th. Uh, It's going to be dinner and then some stuff looking at what-if possibilities and getting over if-only regrets, looking at basically what does God have for us this year. There's also the whole idea of, of letting our personal relationship with God take over what goes on in our houses. And for some of you, that is really difficult because there are people in your house that make your relationship with Jesus difficult. And so the word for that, God's encouragement for you this year, is as, it is, as much as it depends on you, as much as you are able to, to lead within your home, to, take, uh, to step into any void of leadership, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your spouse, and say, man, I'm gonna be the light of Jesus in my house this year. Part of my personal life with God is that that God is gonna flow through me. And if my spouse, if my kids do not follow, then I'm gonna spend my year being able to stand before God and say, God, I did everything I could and I was as loving as possible. For you, even if no one follows you, that can still be your goal this year. That you're gonna be the leader that God called you to be even if it's in a difficult place. And that God's gonna meet you in that as you follow him. Even if nobody else follows, God will, and he will reward you for that. Another big area for us to grow in our personal lives with Jesus is baptism. If you're here, you're out of junior high, even if it was the toughest five years of your life to get through junior high, and you follow Jesus, we'd love for you to get baptized. We're going to keep having baptisms on the second Sunday of each month, even if nobody's going to get baptized. That's our goal, is that everyone who follows Jesus is out of junior high, it's time for you to get baptized. So we're going to keep talking about it, we're going to keep publicizing it in faith, knowing that eventually there are going to be people who say yes, and that we're going to get to see baptism upon baptism upon baptism baptism here at Mountain View Sunnyside. That we're going to get to see people like you and like me are going to stand up here and say, this is my life before Jesus, this is how I met Jesus, this is the difference that Jesus has made in me. And seeing lives transformed through baptism. If you're interested in that, our next one is the second Sunday of January. That's January 14th. Talk to me, Greg, or Tim after service. We'll get you prepped for that. It's going to be an awesome day. So second life, second area, and these will start picking up speed quickly. Second area is your physical life, all right? I don't know if there's a verse on this about what it means to honor God by taking care of your body, but basically all of us have a dash in our life where we've been created to honor God, okay? God doesn't make throwaways. God creates each one of us to give glory to God, and the more that we take care of our body, the more freedom we have for doing ministry. So if there's something in your head that you know you can fix by working harder at it uh, in exercise or diet or whatever, do that. If there's something that is out of your control, we have a loving God who is a healing God. And at the end, we're going to have a chance to come up and respond, and this could be year year, to say, God, I want to find freedom physically. I'm sick of carrying these things with me. God, this is the year that I want to be healed. Next Sunday, we're going to look at some stories in the life of Jesus that deal with healing. This is a great Sunday to come back to bring all of your sick friends and get prayer for healing. Not just so that we feel better, but so that we meet the power of God alive in us to take what was broken and make it restored. Just like what he did with our hearts to make it restored to him. He wants to do the same in our physical bodies because he is our healing God. There's personal, there's physical, there's also evangelistic. Okay, the standard on this is that each and every one of us receive power from the Holy Spirit to be God's witnesses in the place that we live, around the place that we go each day, and to the ends of the earth. That's God's way of saying, D, all of the above, if it exists, I have the right to send you there. And that all starts with us around the things that we see every day. That there are people that we meet, that we rub shoulders with every single day, that we know that don't yet know Jesus. And 2018 could be the, way, the year that they say yes to Jesus because you're going to take it upon yourself to model Jesus to them, to invite them to things where they can meet Jesus, to talk with them about Jesus in a way that is not weird, but in a way that shows vulnerability, transparency, and also the light and life of the gospel in their hearts. So for us, I want us to have goals of who are the people around us that we're going to be examples to, we're going to be witnesses to, and they're going to become Christians this year. Even if you have no clue what they are, you can just write down a number. I want to witness and see three people who currently do not know Jesus come to know Jesus in 2018 because of me. And that can be your goal. But as a church, we're going to take a step into making disciples out of people who don't follow Jesus right now. That's what we do individually and corporately also. And the question is, how are we going to invest our gifts at Mountain View Sunnyside to equip us to be a church that makes disciples. That takes people from sinners and changes them into saints as they meet Jesus and grow in what it is to follow Jesus. As you walked in in your envelope, you got a little thing that says serve card, and there are 10 opportunities for us to get involved, for us to say, I'm going to be part of seeing people come to Jesus here at Mountain View Sunnyside. And this is not an inventory to see who can go 10 for 10 and be able to do all of these. This is, a, this is a chance for us to look at ourselves and say, which of these 10 can I already do? And this is a really rewarding part of doing church. Since we transitioned from main campus uh, to here and took out about 800 people, there's suddenly a lot of areas for people to volunteer. And that's been one of the awesome things of, of, that we've gotten to see uh, since we took over in August is that there's people who used to not be doing things, who are now helping in kids' ministry, who are now helping in the early morning setup, who are helping on hospitality, who are helping at the welcome table, getting to see normal people come together as the body of Christ to be an example and a witness and a good news teller of, the, of who Jesus is. Last week, we had a bunch of kids up here dancing and doing hand motions and stuff, and we also had uh, a handful of adults sprinkled out there doing hand motions, not because they wished they could be up here, but because they're the kids' ministry teachers And for the last five weeks, they had been teaching the kids the motions and watching the same videos every single week. And so they couldn't help but do it also. It was really cool to see. And it was people who didn't used to do it beforehand. It was people who saw a need and stepped into it and said, I'm going to use one of my services to help in kids' church and one of my services to be here and to train the next generation on what it is to follow Jesus. That's That's how we set goals and step into what God has done for us, but to do it widely as a church. One of the big goals that I have for this year is that on, on or before March 25th, we're going to start Spanish language translation here. We're going to have the sermon coming through my microphone out of these speakers in English, and then we're going to have somebody in the booth in the back hearing everything that I say, translating it into Spanish, because there are people around us who are coming, going to come to know Jesus in Spanish in this place this year. And that's another area where not everybody can work with kids, and not everybody can translate a sermon into Spanish. This is how God uniquely blesses and builds and equips us to function as his church in the world. For some of you, you look at kids, nope, worship team, goodness no, they'd mute my mic permanently, but I can translate a sermon into Spanish. And I can do it on the fly so that people can hear about Jesus in words that they comprehend. This is an opportunity for us to build into who Jesus is and what he's doing. For some of you, that's going to be your goal. Take a look at that thing, and we're going to pause at the end of the service, and we're going to look at the five things we've talked about and say, God, where do you want to stretch me this year? And for some of you, the stretch area is one of those ten things on the card where you're going to say, this is freaking me out, but I'm going to do it. I'm responding to what God is telling me to do. I'm going to do it. Next thing is financial. God wants to stretch us in our financial lives. He wants us to start fresh in our finances. The basic standard on this is 100% of everything that we have is given to us by God. All of it, 100%, through a funnel, God says, I'm going to give it to that person. And so we have it. What he asks for is 10% to be given back to him in gratitude and in trust and in obedience, saying, God, I'm going to give you 10% of what I have for you to build up your church to make more and more disciples. So that people like me who heard that Jesus saves people, that the Holy Spirit fills them, and that we can live a new life, that we really are new creations, that just how I heard that and it changed my life, God, you can go do it through a bunch of other people. Here's 10% of what I have to go see that happen. He says, give 10% to me, and then you manage the next 90 with wisdom. Do it wisely. Treat it as an investment. Treat it as a gift, because 100% of everything we have is given to us by God. So financially, that, that's the standard, is that we give 10 and we manage the heck out of 90. And so the push for us is how are we going to grow in generosity in this next year? For Anna and me, we make a plan of how we're going to grow genero- in generosity. It's not the same as it was last year. It's not the same as it's going to be in 2019. It's what it is for us this year. God, how are you going to stretch us? How can we give more? Not so that we give to get but so that we can show more faith and learn more to depend on God and not depend on what the figures say that's in our bank account. If you look at your own finances and you're like, man, that is a grease fire, uh, then starting in February, we're going to have some classes some life groups where we're going to get together, we're going to eat together, we're going to go over some material looking at bringing uh, our finances and that part of our life into surrender to God because as our provider, he's also going to provide wisdom on how we need to manage that. And the last area is probably the toughest, okay, because money, you can figure out how to budget. Volunteering, we can deal with that. Physical, this is something that you just make a goal and you let it happen. But the last thing is relationally. This is how we treat other people. This is how we love our neighbor as ourselves. And for all of us, I want us to make goals. How are we going to let God's light shine through us in new and different ways? And some of that means that God's going to come in and God's going to put back together areas in our lives that are broken. I think for me, one thing that I wanted to fix last year and one thing that I really wanted to grow in was when somebody brings something to me and say, hey, Ken, this is an area that you are not good at, not fighting back. And so I told Anna on Christmas Eve on our couch, this is one of the things that I'm giving you for Christmas is that I'm no longer gonna fight back when you say I want you to do something differently. And how's that working out? Not so much, I'm still me. So what God says is you're a new creation. Even if you don't see it yet, Even if you don't experience it yet, even if you're still living with the personality you've had since you were four, it's coming. And as you let me take over, you're gonna move from slave to citizen. I'm gonna lead you out of what's been binding you. It's the same story of what we looked at at the very beginning with the Israelites. You take a step to start over fresh with me. And you're gonna go from being wanderers, from being people who had nothing, To put somebody who's blessed with a new beginning, somebody who's faced with new opportunities that you didn't have before, somebody who's showing and reaping the benefits of a promised land that God tells us while we are still slaves, hey, I've got something better for you. That can be the year that we have. And so what we're going to do now is is the worship team is going to come up, and we're going to have about 90 seconds to two minutes of dead time. And this is time for us to ask God, okay, God, what do you want to do in my personal life around me following you? God, you know how weak I am. You know the parts where I'm not strong. You know the stuff that you and I don't really want to go over right now because God, you know that it's not that great. What do you want to teach me? Around my physical life, God, I, this is where I want to see healing. This is the goals that I have for using my dash the best way possible and, and freeing up enough of my time physically that I can, I can serve you for a long life. Man, evangelistically, God, who are the people around me that need to meet you this year? Financially, God, where do I need to trust you more? Where do I need to move into 10% obedience? And relationally, God, where do I need to respond to people better? We worship a God who is a shepherd, who sees everything wrong with us and leads us to what's right. We do not worship a butcher who's going to kill us for doing what's wrong. But instead he's going to say, let me have at that, let me forgive you, let me change you, let me lead you into the future I have for you. So we're going to stay seated because we're going to write in a little bit, and we're going to pray. So Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you uh, that as our good shepherd, you see what's best for us in every area of our life. Thank you that we have an opportunity to start fresh in 2018, that we do not have to continue to live in the same mess that we lived in last year thank you for all the ways where 17 has been a year of growth for us, and we thank you in advance for the ways that you want to take 18 and make that into a year where you stretch us in amazing ways. If you're here today and the first step for you in starting fresh in 2018 is to begin a relationship with Jesus, then I want to give you that chance today. You are not saying you're perfect. You're not saying you're better than anyone. You're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in this place that we are all sinners separated from God but brought near to him and forgiven by Jesus Christ. So if that's you today, I'm going to count to three and and I'm going to give you that chance to say yes to Jesus today. So one, God loves you. He's never stopped loving you. He always has. He always will. And today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we tell God, get out of here. I'm doing this my way. That's called sin. That's called sin and Jesus came to forgive us of our sin. And three, today's your day to say, I'm ready for that. I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone like that here today? Where today's your day to find forgiveness, find new life, find a fresh start with Jesus. Is there anyone like that here today? All right, like I said, we're gonna have about two minutes of dead time for us to look at those five areas and say, God, where do you wanna stretch me this year? And then after that, the worship team is gonna start singing. And if you feel like there's something on your list, and there should be, where you look at and you're like, yikes, that's a lot. I want you to come up and respond with your feet to confirm what God's doing in your heart. This is gonna be a year of you getting stretched and of you experiencing the blessings of God's provision and leadership as he takes care of you and takes you to a new place in life. To not see the old slavery, not see the old things master you, but to step under his amazing ability to love you and lead you and make you and me more like him every day.